So I know what you guys are all wondering. Is this a woman's sweater? Yes, it is. If you ever get nervous speaking, um, I think imagining the audience with ugly Christmas sweaters also works. So anyways, just thought I'd put those two things out there. Um, what better day to talk about joy than uh, Ugly Sweater Sunday, right? Many people seem a bit more happy this time of year. Maybe it's the cookies or the lights. I like those things. But there's just a little bit of extra cheer out there. When you think of the word joy, what is the first thing, what is the first emotion that comes to your mind? Most likely it's happiness. Most of us probably associate that. It's a, it's a default emotion when we hear the word joy. And many leading vocation experts will probably tell you the key to a good life is finding something that makes you happy. Our culture puts a tremendous amount of finding happiness. If we were to take a look at popular culture, we'll probably be told that uh, happiness can be found in a few different ways. Um, True love, watch a Hallmark movie, you'll see that. Uh, Money can be bought, we see that a lot, we see that. After all, our, our mantra in popular culture is, is rags to riches. Every commercial this time of year will lead you to believe that a Christmas skirt full of Christmas trees, or not Christmas trees, but Christmas presents, maybe trees, will, uh, will make everyone happy and, and joyful. And there's even a, a saying, which kind of goes against that, though, but the saying is, money can't buy you happiness. Happiness is, uh, it's a funny thing, but I, I do, I don't entirely agree with that statement that money can't buy you happiness. You know, I think having nice things can make you happy. I think finding people that you love can make you happy. But hear me out before you're, you're questioning why I'm up here saying that you can buy happiness or you can find happiness in true love. You know, happiness is far from a a description, a comprehensive description of what joy is. It's certainly part of it. But there's so much more to it. Happiness is just a surface-level emotion. The disappointing thing about happiness is that it's just a temporary feeling. It comes and it goes, often dependent on our circumstances. About a year ago, I began a journey. Uh, Does anyone Yelp in here? They know what Yelp is? Okay, cool. So... When I was living down in L.A., one of my friends was a Yelp Elite member, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, oh, Yelp Elite. So Yelp is a website where you get to review websites and businesses. It's not pretentious at all. Don't, don't think that. Um, anyways, when I, when I went and, and saw my friend doing that, I was like, well, that's one of my goals in life is to be Yelp Elite one day. So I decided that I was going to take that journey on hard task of eating at restaurants and writing reviews about other people's foods. Um, I did that for about a year and I applied and I got rejected, which was a total bummer, but I didn't give up. I said this year, this is the year, last year, that I'm going to be Yelp Elite. And I was imagining like every restaurant when I was Yelp Elite, I, they'd roll out the red carpet. They'll be like, your table's right here, sir. All, the, all those things. I had these images in my mind that it was going to make me, make me so happy, and I'd be part of this Yelp culture that, that uh, was underground and no one knew about, and life would be just that much better. So I, I, I did get it. I applied, and I became Yelp Elite. Hold your applause. <laughs> and I was pretty happy. I texted my wife and my parents, and I was like, I made it. They're like, oh, cool. Good job. And I, w- I was pretty happy for a while. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was happy. I was happy. 
until the first person I met that didn't know what Yelp was, and I told them I was Yelp Elite, just stared at me with a blank stare. And that's what happiness is. It comes and goes. It's very easy for it to come and go. And just to demonstrate how short-lived happiness is, let's take a look at a few more examples. So happiness is the 10 seconds of smiles that come from unwrapping gifts after parents stay up all night wrapping them. Isn't it crazy that it takes longer to wrap a present than unwrap it? That's why I like gift bags. It's not lazy, it's practical, okay? Back to happiness, though. Happiness is the three milliseconds of joy or happiness that my dog experiences when he devours cheese. Happiness is enjoying your favorite meal, only to get the bill at the end. Happiness is seven days of vacation that you saved up the whole year for. And last but not least, we have a picture of it. Happiness is 30 seconds on a roller coaster when you waited for two hours in line, only to do it again. These are the things we do. These are the things we chase. Happiness. I mean, aren't we told at a young age that happiness is what we need in our life? It's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to dampen your, your spirits on Christmas, but I just want to remind you how quickly that it can come and go. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. I like having good gifts. I like giving good gifts. I like having people that I love in my family. But there's more to joy. And joy is a huge part of the Christmas story. Without joy, I, I don't believe we can truly experience the full depth of happiness either. I think having joy in our life allows us to truly appreciate things in, in the proper light. And joy has the ability to transcend our circumstances, unlike happiness, because joy comes from the truth of something wholly good and unending. And if you need any more, uh, if you need any more examples, that, that joy is something that's natural, something that can be found, something human. Let's just take a look at a few pictures. Uh, we have a couple pictures of some smiling children here. So you can see there's all cultures from all cities across the world, and and the smiles look the same. It's something that we can reside in permanently. That's what joy is. Joy has that ability to to transcend circumstances. Children don't care about that. They don't think about what's going on in their lives. They they tend to get together, and, and they can find how good things are. They can find joy. You can find that in a child's smile. Enjoy something that, that um, lasts, if we, if we can agree on that, then where does it come from? And as Jesus followers, we know that joy comes from God. In Galatians 5, we see that it's part of a select list of attributes called the fruits of the Spirit. Or maybe another way to think of it is it's gifts. They're, they're attributes uh, gifted to people who are pursuing a relationship with Jesus. Someone who puts their faith and worth in him, it's something they get to experience. So joy is a good gift that comes from the Spirit. So why is it that I so often feel that faith is, is more of an afterthought? That our, of joy, joy is more of an afterthought of our faith. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's from God's Spirit. It's something that must be truly special and important. We believe joy to be an attribute of people living a life for Jesus. And if we believe that, it's no longer just a nice thought. It becomes essential to the way that we live. Joy becomes a statement of our faith to the world. 
One of my favorite quotes comes from the band, The Wren Collective. Maybe some of you are familiar. And in one of their videos, the percussionist says, Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit, but joy is. He's Irish, so that's why I said it that way. I think it adds a little extra joy. (laughs) Thank you. Seriousness is not, it never has been, a fruit of the Spirit. But joy always has So what does that mean for the way that we live our lives? Does the world have enough rage? Does it have enough defensiveness? And people who take themselves too seriously? It's beautiful that we're given this gift of joy, this good thing. We're given that. We're called to live in that. And and when we look at who we are and who we're made to be, we can see that that's part of our DNA as Christ followers. And just going back to that evidence of, of children, you know, you see joy in a child. It's part of being human. It's beautiful. Joy is good. It's a great gift. Yet there's brokenness in our world, right? It's impossible to be a member of this planet, to be somebody living life and not experience pain or brokenness in some way. It's really easy to put on your ugly sweater when you're happy, right? But what if your ugly sweater is all you have? That's a real question that I think we're faced with as we go out in the world. It's a real question that you're going to see maybe today. Maybe you're, you're experiencing real difficulties, real brokenness. I think we must be willing to give an honest answer to that as well. How do we respond to sorrow and hurt, injustice, with joy. Let's take a look at how Peter encouraged first century Christians to find joy. In First Peter, we find him writing to the Christians in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and these people have received the good news of Jesus, and I'm sure there was a ton of happiness that came a lot along with, with that news. And they're living out their faith, but through that, they ran into a lot of harassment and hostility, danger. So Peter gives them a message, and this message isn't just for them in the first century, but it's for anyone who's living out their faith, looking for joy through difficulty. And in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, it says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that we can never perish, spoil, or fade. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor with Jesus Christ when he is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end results of your faith and salvation of your souls. Though they didn't see him, they were filled with an inexpressible Glorious joy. It's the receiving of the results of your faith. Where you put your hope. 
Maybe we experience joy on a deeper level through challenges. We certainly get to see how deep it can go. And we receive this inexpressible joy. We're, we're encouraged by it. And I've seen it at work in people's lives today. Maybe you have too. Can we explain what brings people to hope, what brings people to smile when they've lost everything? Can we explain why when everything seems to be going wrong, there's a little flicker of energy that keeps us going and hoping? Jesus has something far more to offer than temporary solace. That's, that's what joy is. The joy found in a relationship with Jesus, with the Father who gives good gifts. And let's take another look. Let's, let's look at joy from the perspective of the source. How can Jesus' relationship with joy be described? In Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with the perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus, the author of our faith, endured brokenness, the brokenness of the world and the, for the joy that was set before him. You know, certainly, certainly the experience of the, the cross was not joyful. But for the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure. And it wasn't just death that he took on. He took on the brokenness and the sin that came before him, the brokenness and sin that would come after. He took on the hurt and our sin to create wholeness and bring wholeness into the world. Jesus had an eternal perspective. He thought that we were worth it. He thought that you were worth it. He was willing to subject himself to the unthinkable, a painful and humiliating death for the joy, the joy of bringing this wholeness back into the world. The sacrifice created an invitation for everybody to bring healing into their lives, into our lives, and bring healing into the world around us. We were invited to this eternal relationship with our creator, with a loving God forever. But if I can just step back and be a little honest with you, Eternity is quite a lengthy proposition, and sometimes forever is a bit intimidating to me. I'm not really good at change, and I often struggle of finding joy in the end of times or the end of my life. And I've wondered to God, God, does it really have to end at some point? Can't we just wake up one day a little stronger, a little smarter, and we can all just be friends? But I have to remind myself, it is a matter of perspective. After all, God was willing to send his son to die on this earth for that relationship. So it must be good. And I still, I'm still constantly reminding myself of that journey. One thing that really helps me, though, uh, maybe I'm just too dense to get it on my own, but I like metaphors and, and works of fiction. Um, C.S. Lewis, he, uh, he wrote several wonderful works of fiction. You might know him from the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, but one of the, the works that really helps me is the Space Trilogy. And there's the second book in there. It's called per, Perlandra. And um, it's an imagination of, of new creation on another planet and where man doesn't fall to sin. And the main character of the book, his name's Ransom, he's talking to the Adam of that world. And 
And uh, they're talking about the end of time. They're discussing how earth fits into the grand scheme of things. And the Adam character says to Ransom, it is but the wiping out of a false start in order that the world may then begin. As man lies down to sleep, he finds a twisted root under his shoulder. He will change his place. And after that, his real sleep begins. Or as a man setting foot on an island may make a false step, he steadies himself. And after that, his journey begins. You would not call that the steadying of himself, the last thing. And that's where we are. We're, we're not on a journey to the last thing. We're on a beautiful journey to things that are to come. Find joy in that. This relationship that, that God was willing to send his son to earth for is what we're seeking, is what we're partnering in right now. The things we know now are just a, a mere glimpse of the goodness that is coming. And the birth of Jesus was the joyous announcement ushering God's love and promise back into the world. And that's where we find ourselves today, celebrating Christmas. Now, if we think of the Bible as, as a story, an entire story, and we look at the Old Testament and where it leaves us off, it leaves us off in a place of darkness. Humanity's darkest hour, Israel has failed to bring wholeness to the world. Person after person has just fallen short. So, so the Old Testament ends, and that's where we're left. Can, can things be right again? We don't know. And I, I like to imagine that it's, it's this darkness, and then there's a little light. And an angel voice sings, and Jesus is born. God's announcement to the world that he's going to make things right. It's, a, it's the fruition of the promise of this. And the birth of our sa- Savior is bringing this inexpressible joy. That, that, that moment, that light, that angel's voice singing brings us joy. Birth is a universally joyful thing. Um, it comes from the hardships of labor, though. Even Jesus talks about his own death, his birth pains, that will bring the joy of birth or rebirth. And the birth of Jesus is the realization of God's promise of him making things right on the world. And again, here we find ourselves in a world where there's quite a bit of darkness. There's also a lot of people searching for happiness around us when they're really searching for joy. People finding temporary happiness and living day to day, but looking for something bigger. People who are in deep sorrow searching for answers. American Christmas isn't always a a joyful occasion. It can be stressful, right? In the famous words of a stressed and exhausted Charlie Brown, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And wise beyond his years, Linus answers him and and reads from Luke 2. Luke 2, 8 through 14 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you today is born a child in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. 
In humanity's darkest hour, a child was born. And here we are some 2,000 years later, and we're the new messengers bringing great tidings of joy into the world. It's a wonderful message that we have to share, and, and this is a time where many people are thinking about it, maybe on a surface level, but we can bring that out. A free invitation to everybody, not just a few, not just the Yelp Elite members, everybody, a free invitation to all people. Happiness isn't the answer our world needs. Our friends and our neighbors, they deserve more. They deserve joy. Something that doesn't change with the ebbs and flows of life. If we believe that our Savior is born, then we're acknowledging that our journey is only just the beginning and that joy is be- it becomes something that's just so much more than an afterthought. It's the way that we live our lives. It's the way that we're called lives. It's the way that we're gifted to live our lives. So I'd like to encourage you today. As you go out, Mondays are never joyful for me, but I'd like you to reflect on where joy comes from. Where does your joy come from? And when you, when you tap into that joy, and maybe you're not feeling it, ask God for it. When you tap into that joy, don't, don't suppress it. Don't be too serious. Let joy take over your actions. Let joy take over your interactions because joy points back to God. And it's a beautiful gift that we have when we remember that he sent his son to earth in humanity's darkest hour. So let joy take over you this week. I'm going to pray as we go out so we can have a wonderful Sunday. Dear Lord, we, we just thank you so much for, for your son being sent to earth and the beautiful joy that it brought, not just only to a select few, but, but to anyone who listens and to anyone who pursues that, Lord. I, I just pray that you'll fill us with joy as we go out today, as we go out in our work weeks. Just let us feel that joy and, and let us remember how good that is. Let that joy change every interaction that we have so that people are pointed to you, Lord. Be with us as we go out so everyone's safe today in the weather, in the winter. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.